In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> he told his disciples the parable of the sower. And of course, the sower went out with his seed and he sowed the seed on various types of ground, four different types of ground. And they all received the seed in different way and they all produced fruit in different way. And Jesus said, that's just like those who hear the gospel preached and the word of God preached. They hear it in different ways and they produce fruit in different ways. And before he came to the actual exposition of the parable, he, he used this uh, great introduction and summary. The summary of what he said, an introduction to what he's going to say in verse 9. He said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Hearing is all vitally important to understanding the word of God. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We were stepped out by the will of God into 2023. And I think it's right for us just to stop and consider here in January what you're going to hear the rest of the year. How are you going to hear the word of God in 2023? How are you going to profit from the preaching? That's the key. As a church, we put great emphasis upon preaching. Even if you just come to the normal services here and on along, uh, over the next year, God gives you the strength and the grace to do that. You will hear 160 sermons. You wouldn't think you'd hear all of those sermons here, but that's how it works out. That is the equivalent, if you put it, just average it down to something like, six, something like 93 hours of preaching. That's a lot of hearing in the year that lies ahead. And it would be a shame to sit through all of that preaching and not to profit from it. So how do you hear with profit the word of God? That's really what I want to get at today. Preaching is not a passive activity. There are many people who come along to the services and they just sit down and they shut out. Well, if that's what you're doing today, I hope that the Spirit of God wakens you up before it's too late because preaching is not a passive activity. It's not as if uh, we are spectators. You're not a spectator. You're a participant. We all come to participate in the worship of God. So what is required of those who hear the word of God? As usual, we'll go back to the catechism. This time, the larger catechism, question 160. What is required of those who hear the word preached? That's you. What is required of you to hear the word preached? There are many there are many who are quick to tell me what's required of how it's preached. But today we won't just look at it all the way around. What's required of you who hear it? What is required in the hearing of the word of God? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It's required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Examine what they hear by the scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate upon it, confer of it, hide it in their heart and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. I fear that over the years there are many who have attended the preaching of God's word here and in other places. And they have not profited it from the preaching the way they ought to have profited from the preaching because they haven't really heard what has been said to them. They have not participated. Instead, they have just spectated. And we don't want spectators. Church is not a sport where you come just to spectate. 
Church is something that you come to participate in and church is something that you come to derive something from. You come to hear. And of course this applies to the young as well as to the older. There are many and they're quick to give the young a nudge. But I want today to give the older ones a bit of a nudge too. And I want you to hear what God is saying to you, not just today, but in the year that lies ahead. Let this day be a preparation day for other days that lie ahead in God's will uh, up ahead in this year. I know we all have different capacities. We all have different capacities. Somebody will hear something, they'll listen to a sermon, and they'll be able to quote you point one, point two, point three, point four. Others will come out and they'll just give you the text. But nobody should leave this building without something in their heart and in their mind. Without something. You know that image of the children of Israel in the wilderness and the manna falling down every day. Every tent had manna beside it. And you have the manna of heaven in front of you today. But now what are you going to do with it? If you're going to sit inside your tent and just watch it lying on the ground there, it'll rot and decay and it'll do you no good. You have to take what you hear... You have to knead it, mould it, make it, and then feed it to your soul. That's what hearing is all about. The hearing and the profiting from the preaching. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you give priority each week to the preached word. You give priority to the preached word. The preaching of the word of God. We're looking at that uh, over the past few weeks in our Bible study. But the preaching of the word of God is of paramount importance in the life of the church and in the life of every individual Christian. John Calvin taught that there were two preachers at every service. He only thought there was one. But there's two preachers at every service. There's the external minister. He's just the representative. He's the ambassador. He will get up and he will declare the word of God, the message that God has put in his heart for the congregation that day. And then there's the internal minister. And the internal minister is the Holy Spirit. The one who takes that word and applies it internally to the hearts and lives who have heard the external minister expound the word of God. The word Calvin said, it's like, Full of arrows. It's a quiver full of arrows. The quiver was where you kept the arrows. And so you take the word of God. And you have all these different arrows in it. And as the preacher will preach the word of God. The spirit of God is taking those arrows. And he's applying them to different individuals. In different ways in the congregation. And that's why you'll hear something. That maybe your husband will not hear. And your wife will hear something that you'll not hear. And vice versa. And the children might be able to tell you something that you completely missed in the service because there are different arrows that God will use through that quiver of the word of God and he'll apply them to different individuals within the service and within the worship of God. I want to encourage the young people to make the hearing of the word of God a priority in their life. And that's why we put out that little uh, pamphlet last Sunday evening. And you parents, you help the children to fill it in. I got some wonderful examples back last Sunday night of those that were listening, young lives that were listening. And with the help of their parents were able to outline what was actually been said in the service. In Acts chapter 13, we read, Now there was 
in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said under the preaching of the word of God the Holy Ghost speaks. Is that not true? If we don't believe that the Holy Ghost speaks then it's just external religion. But we believe in internal religion. We believe not only in the external preaching of the word of God, we believe the Holy Ghost. He says to men and women, boys and girls and young people, certain things as the word is preached every week. And that's why Jesus said to these disciples, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, because not everybody has ears to hear. Sometimes we think these parables were great illustrations that Jesus gave to help people understand. Do you know they were the very opposite? They were heavenly stories with earthly meanings that Jesus only revealed to his disciples. They had the inner hearing. They were able to hear what others were not able to hear. You prioritize the preaching of the word of God and, and do not demote it. You know, sometimes we think in our day and age, because preaching is unpopular, that it always was popular. It never was popular. Because the natural mind is enmity against the things of God. I don't want you to run away with the idea and think, oh, there was a bygone generation and only in days of revival men and women did God give that hearing. But for his people, his people, those that he gave the parables to, his disciples, they have an ear to hear. And if you don't have that ear to hear today, is it because you're not a child of God? Is it because you have a heart of stone instead of a heart of flesh? I want to challenge you today. How are you hearing? Because how you're hearing tells me what your heart and life is before Almighty God. Secondly, you need to prepare your heart before you hear the word of God. And you need even to prepare the hearts of your children and your family before they come to the worship of God. You need to pray. Of course, this is done individually. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. It's not what the old prophet said to Samuel to, to tell the Lord. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. I'm listening. Are you listening today to what the Lord really has to say to you? It's done individually. It's done collectively with your family. Fathers have a great responsibility in their home to pray with their family and to pray that God would help them to understand what they hear in God's house. What a responsibility rests upon us as individuals. Pray individually, pray collectively, and pray collectively not only at home, but pray collectively with the people of God here. If it's possible, make it along to the prayer times before the service. Something happened during COVID, of course, and we all, we, all, we, all, we all battled with what happened during COVID. We all battled with the consequences of COVID. <clears throat> but one of the, the consequences of COVID here and on along was we, we lost the, the prayer meeting prior to the service because people didn't come to the very last minute. And I understand that, why that happened at that time. But that was then. This is not now. I encourage you to come back to the prayer meeting prior to the service. 
and pray that God will give us ears to hear, hearts that understand. Pray that the word preached might be a saving word to the hearts of the unconverted. Some, sometimes uh, uh, we imagine that, that uh, just an unsaved soul will come in and they'll just hear the first time and they'll be converted. Now I want to ask you, did you hear the gospel for the first time and were you converted the first time? There are very few actually like that. In Romans 1.16 it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Here is God sending this word of salvation first to the Jew, then to the Greek or to the Gentiles. And I would say to you today, do not rest, do not rest, dear soul, until you come into saving contact with that word. And of course, we know this word also. We'll come to this again tonight. It's a sanctifying word in the lives of the converted. Even when the gospel is preached, we're learning more about Jesus. It's sanctifying our souls. We're, we're been drawn closer to him. If you're not learning more, there's something wrong, either in how you're listening or how the message is being relayed. More about Jesus would I know. I think we need to prepare also by maintaining our appetites. You would never allow, I see parents here, somebody gives them a sweet, don't eat that till you go home. You'll spoil your dinner. We were never allowed as children to eat sweets before a meal. It was, it was a real no-no in our home. And just the same way, we need to make sure that our spiritual appetites are not spoiled. A hungry man will always eat a good meal. A hungry man will always eat a good meal. And hungry souls will always find something for their soul in the word of God. Have we spoilt our appetites? I fear many Christians have spoilt their appetites in doing what? In dabbling with things that they ought not to dabble in. In allowing their minds to be diverted with things that their mind ought not even to be upon. Make sure, dear brethren and sisters, you're not spoiling your appetite because it's only hungry people uh, or uh, good eaters at the table. You need to prepare. Let me give you a practical note here. By guarding what happens prior to coming to the house of God. Don't, Don't give place to the devil even for a minute. Now we all know sometimes there's a rush to get out. And once there's a rush to get out, there's a stress in the getting out. So avoid the stress and avoid the rush, if at all possible. There's always the exceptions to that rule. I have known people over the years, and they are persistent latecomers to the house of God. Persistent, not just once, but every week. I think of one lady in Kitali. Every week she came when the sermon was well underway. Every week. And she had a responsible job in the local hospital. And she used to say to me, I think there's something wrong with me. That that I can't come on time to the worship of God. There's nothing wrong with her at all in that sense. She just needed to be organized better. Let let there be a little bit of organization put in there. and, And avoid all of those stressful situations. The book of Ecclesiastes, we've looked at that passage before. 
In chapter 5 and 1 says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Alexander McLarnham was writing this verse. He said, Fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. Your hearing began before you come into the church. Because you were being prepared before you come into the church. And if you weren't prepared before you come into the church building, didn't hear as God would want you to hear today. It tells here we're to uh, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. <clears throat> McLaren wrote on this, and in his day, and this is how he put it in his day, people who talk politics and business right to the church door will never hear what God has to say to them once they enter in through the church door. Keep the politics outside. Keep the business outside. Keep the gossip outside. We don't need it. You don't need it. Keep it all outside. That's the sacrifice of fools. Be ready to hear what God has to say to you. I'll not give you politics from this pulpit. I'll not give you gossip from this pulpit. I'll give you the word of God from this pulpit. Be ready to hear what God has to say to you from it. Consider with me some helps to just encourage you to listen and remember what you have heard. The Bible says you are to listen with the understanding. With the understanding. Normally, a sermon has various parts of it. We're going to go into the homiletics of it just a little bit, the structure of it just a little bit, because it's important for you to know what a sermon, how it's normally structured. So the sermon normally has an introduction. The introduction, well, for me, normally is the context in which the passage or the scripture is found and explaining what goes before, what comes behind, and the context of it, and then setting off uh, the main point or purpose of the, the passage. And normally every Sunday I would say to you, today we're going to consider, and that's what you should be listening for at the end of the introduction, listening with the understanding. What is the sermon all about today? Well, it's simple today, profiting from the preaching. That's what the sermon is all about. So it's a topical message today, but mostly it's a, a, a textual message or a message that's based on a passage. And from the passage, we'll take the main truth and we'll say, today we're going to consider. Listen what's been said, because that's what the sermon's all about. And then you'll have a firstly, a secondly, a thirdly. The first point should be derived from that uh, propositional statement. What you've stated the sermon is all about. And that will include the exposition of the point. So today, firstly, we're going to consider. And you should have information under it to expound what you're trying to say. And then by way of uh, amplification, other verses can be brought in to further illuminate what you're trying to say from that particular passage. Sometimes a, an illustration is appropriate, a scriptural illustration, a personal illustration, a historical illustration, wherever it's found. You don't have to have them, but it's helpful from time to time to have them. And then every time, every time, there has to be application. Where there's not application, you're just lecturing. So it's good to have the application. What does the word of God say to my life? And in the light of what God is saying to my life, how do I need to change my life? How do I need to live my life in the light of what God is saying to me? 
So to listen a sermon, you have to train your mind. Where are we in the sermon? Everybody listens for the finally. But what about the firstly, secondly, thirdly, fourthly, the subpoints? What about the, the exposition, the amplification? What about the illustration? What about the application? Before you listen for the finally, what about all of the other stuff that goes before it? Because it all constitutes the, the presentation of the word of God, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. The confession has a wonderful phrase in it. It's worthwhile considering chapter 21, section 5. It talks about the conscionable hearing of the word of God. Because the word of God should touch our consciences. It's good to have a conscience. When God says something to you that you have a conscience about it, you're pricked in your mind about it, you're convicted in your soul about it, your conscience is spoken to you. And in the light of that, what God has said to your conscience, you're going to do something about it. How vitally important. You cannot come into the worship of God and say, this has nothing to do with me. Switch off. If your conscience is not touched, your conscience is seared. A seared conscience is something to be greatly feared. We need to have a conscionable response to what is being preached. Don't switch off. Do not switch off. It's easy to slumber and sleep. And there are many, many people who sleep with their eyes open. Not with their eyes closed. I always think it's a good thing. <clears throat> if you want children to sit up and listen in church, get them to bed on Saturday night. They're not going to sit up and listen in church if they're not in bed on Saturday night. How many parents prepare their children, say, for going to school on Monday? You have to get to bed early. And that's right and proper. And We tick all the boxes there. But what about coming to the most important part of the week, the public worship of God? Is that not a word also for adults? Preparing properly, mentally, physically for the worship of God? Talk about the word that you've heard preached. It says we're to meditate upon the word. If you want to retain what you've heard, talk about it. The only way I could ever retain what I have heard is to write it down and then talk about it. As you write it down, you are putting it into your these files up here, your memory, and then talking about it, you're helping to make it live. You're helping to make it uh, live to you. The, the Lord Jesus in this parable he talked about the birds of the air that swoop down and take away the seed and very very quickly the seed can be taken away. It can be the very best purest of seed scattered all over the ground and yet just in a few seconds it can be cleared away by the birds of the air. We read about the blessed man in Psalm 1, 1 and 2. We read there that his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. To meditate upon something is to think upon it. It's to ponder it. It's to outline it. It's to get a grasp of it. You know, sadly today there are many Christians and they're not thinking people. Christians should be the most contemplative of all people. Because we're called to meditate upon the word of the living God. 
The subject is kept before the mind and the soul derives pleasure in the mind when we meditate upon it. Something pleasant has happened to you, you'll memorize it, you'll meditate upon it and your memory will come back to it time and time again. Is that not what the word of God should be? Honey. Honey out of the rock. I think it's good when you go home to talk to your family about the sermon. I don't mean to, to roast the preacher. You've got your, your own roast on Sunday. You don't need to roast him. But talk about the sermon. Talk about what you've heard. Make sure the children have heard something from the sermon and are able to tell you something from it. Help them with their little leaflets. Help them to, to keep abreast of it, to keep ahead of it. I'm never in a hurry to shoo people away from church after the service. And I know there's many on a long, not in a hurry, and there's nobody really in a hurry to get you out either. So I don't mean anything untoward in what I'm going to say. But wouldn't it be good after the service to talk to a brother or sister about the sermon? Did you hear that? I never saw that before. I was listening to R.C. Sproul this morning, and as soon as I... Linda appeared. I had to talk to her about what I heard in the sermon that I listened to this morning. I'd never heard it before. I never understood it before. Receive in faith what you've heard. It is faith that enables you to act. Faith in what God says. Faith in this precious book. The apostle warned that it's possible in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 to hear the gospel preached and not profit from it because there's no faith in the heart. Come back tonight and hear how that faith is put in the heart. Because it's that faith is the victory in every situation. Fourthly, let me say to you, you have to practice what you've heard preached. You have to live it out. As you leave the building, up, up over the door there it says, Blessed are they that hear the word of God. And we'll all say amen to that. But the rest of the verse says, and keep it. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. If you want to profit, then keep it. Not just hear it, but keep it. There has to be the doing of what you've heard preached on the Lord's day. There's no point in having a head that's filled with knowledge and a life that's not matched by a holy living. We're called to live out the sermons that we listen to. There are many people and they're good connoisseurs at sermons and they're very good at telling me he's a good preacher or he's a good preacher and I'm not so fond of him. I'm not, I'm not convinced their lives equal what they're trying to say. When God says repent, he means Repent. When God says believe, there's no alternative route. When God issues a command, there's no negotiating with that command. Thomas Watson, I was reading him, he said, remember each sermon as if it will be the last you ever hear, for that may well be the case. This could be your final Sabbath day to hear the word of God preached. Your final sermon. And how have you heard it? 
How have you heard the word of God today? How will you stand before God and say, I heard an all alone church today that I need to repent and you didn't repent. I heard an all alone church today about the commandments of God that I need to obey and I've disobeyed them all, all of my life. How will you stand before him and answer on that great day? Our worship, we know, needs to be word-centered and it is word-centered. But the words need to be heard. And you need to hear what is being said. Not just externally, but internally. And live it out in your life to the glory of Almighty God. These words of Jesus, they sum up what I'm trying to say today. Mark 4 and verse 9. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It's the hearing that's the key. Not just externally, but in the heart and in the life as well.